our series that we started at the beginning of the year called Prepare the Way to the Lord. And uh, we were, at the first installment, we were talking about that this year, it's a year of preparation. And then we were talking about how we are preparing the way to the, for the Lord. We were talking about serving. We were talking about giving. We were talking about today, praying. And I would say that one of the most important thing in preparation or preparing the way to the Lord is this piece because everything else doesn't make any sense if there is no prayer involved. No ministry, no serving, no giving, nothing makes sense if there is no preparation by the prayer. So as a way of preparing the way to the Lord this year, I'm wrapping up this month with this idea. Last year, we had a prayer. Remember, we had uh, 21 days of prayer, and it was an awesome, awesome experience. And I was thinking about this year, and uh, I understand the importance of prayer in the life of church in, on personal level. And as I was thinking about this, I also know that we are preparing the way to the Lord, for the Lord not in 21 days just, just in 21 days, not just in one month, not in three weeks, but throughout the year. And my prayer is to inspire the church. What if by the end of this service today, everybody get this inspiration to become a prayer warrior for the entire year. It's a challenge and it's an opportunity at the same time. I'm gonna pray this one year because it's a part of preparing the way. I am preparing the way by, the, by, by giving, I am preparing the way by serving, and I am preparing the way by praying. And I uh, uh, went to this prayer meeting today at the beginning of the church at 10, p, uh, 10 a.m. in the morning and 9 actually a.m. in the morning and I was I was praying and I saw how the church is getting ready to pray. It's, it's, it's coming together piece by piece because I will tell you that remember this story about uh, Samson and the fact that he had a secret to his power in his hair. And one moment he lost his hair. And there was no secret anymore. There was no power. There was no supernatural element involved. And uh, the enemy was able to conquer, to get captive, to, to get him in captivity. And that was because that secret element in his hair was, was lost. The same thing goes for the prayer. We are fighting the enemy that is not afraid of our preaching. 
He's not afraid of our ministry. He are no, he's not afraid of our, our outreach efforts. He's not afraid of all this stuff. The one thing that enemy is definitely afraid of is the prayer. And so he will do everything possible to discourage people, discourage church, discourage believers from this efforts. We call it prayer efforts or prayer activity. And so today, I'm just praying that we as a church get energized and inspired to say we are, will be a place or a house what Jesus says using the prophecy of Isaiah that this house is going to be known and will be known and is known for one thing. Because it's going to be called or named a house of what? A house of prayer. And so I am going to use one story from the Bible that is very richly show this principle of prayer in preparation for the ways or the purposes of the Lord. But before I do that, I am going to share this uh, quote from T.T. Jake. I like T.T. Jake. I don't know what you think about him, but I like, just like the guy. When your face is the strongest, you come up under the greatest attack because the enemy is trying to deter your destiny. Your faith, your calling, your purpose that you have from God will come under attack. And you, as a believer, as a minister, as a leader, as a church, need to be prepared for that attack because the attack is going to come no matter what. And that preparation is prayer. Because, see, sometimes... We, we just don't know, like we were praying today, it came to my spirit in the prayer meeting that we don't know how to prepare. We don't know what to expect tomorrow. We don't know what enemy is going to use to defeat, to try to defeat us or deter us from our destiny. But one thing, and it is a prayer. So today I just encourage everybody to consider this and make a decision, you know what? The, Irregardless of what I'm doing, regardless of what my ministry is, regardless of what my focus is, I am also going to be a prayer warrior. I am also going to pray. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to also pray. And that's basically my goal or objective for today. Before I jump into the discussion, and I am going to talk about three things regarding the prayer, response from this story that I'm going to share, the focus in the prayer that disciples, the first church had, and the result of this kind of a prayer. Now, the, the base scripture is Acts, actually it's from James. I, I, I use the story of Acts 4, but the scripture, everybody knows the scripture, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. 
And I'm talking about healing, not just from the physical perspective, but also from mental perspective, emotional. We all need healings. We all need to receive and experience divine healings in our lives, our emotional world, our past healing from the past wounds, and so on. We need healing. And he continues the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need to have healing in our marriages. We need to have healing in our relationships. We need to have healing in our mental state, emotional life. We need to experience healing. How do we do that? In the midst of a prayer of righteous people. And I want to, before I even uh, move on, I want to just point out that I've heard people say the reason why I don't go to church or the reason why I don't pray or the reason why I don't like praying is that I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and I never received an answer. Just, just, just look at this verse here. It says the righteous person. When I pray, do I come to God as a righteous person with the righteousness of Christ? Because that's the key. Or I come to God just as a person who comes to some sort of a being that I don't know, don't have personal relationship with, and I am presenting my request, believing or thinking that this being is going to, like an old grandfather, give me those requests. It doesn't work like that. Righteousness meaning I have relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and when I come to God from that perspective, the good thing is that kind of a prayer is powerful and effective. It does make a difference. It does produce results. With that being said, I am jumping into this story. And to, to give you some background, what happened was Peter and John was going to church to the temple, their first church. And they saw this guy who was lame, crippled from his childbirth, his, his childhood. He, he couldn't walk. Now, the issue was severe. The issue was such that you cannot fix it without divine intervention. The issue was detrimental. It was fundamental. You cannot change certain things. It's the way how it is. Have you ever had in your life situations when the enemy would tell you in your face, it is what it is? See, when the supernatural is involved, it has, a bit, it has propensity to challenge the status quo and that what everybody says and agree that it has to be that way. Because the crippled was crippled from the very childhood. There is nothing you can do about that. You cannot change the status quo. And then these people, Peter and John, look at the guy and they said, look, we don't have money, but we have something else. We can pray for you. And the guy was like, okay, <laughs> it's not going to hurt. 
So they prayed for him, and he raised on his feet. He was like 40 years old, never walked, always was crippled. He stood on his feet. I am talking about supernatural right now. The Church of Christ designed to operate in the supernatural. We are not designed to operate just on the social level, on the cultural level, on the political level. We were designed as a body of Christ to tap into divine power of God and operate in the supernatural period. If the church is not operating in the supernatural, the church is not operating. You can call it whatever you want to call it. The church is sleeping. The church is dead. The church is not functional. It's not operational. The church is only acting and operating when the divine signs and miracles are happening in the church. And that's what happened here. And by the way, Marianne, Marianne, why don't you just come here, sister? She, she, she came today and, and, and she had this, this, this um, shoulder is, uh, dislocation or issue. I don't know what it is. Is it this shoulder here? I don't know what it is, but I do believe that Jesus Christ is healing. Do you believe that? Jesus Christ is healing today. I am not a doctor and I'm not a chiropractor. Only one thing that I know and I have is my Jesus Christ who is alive today and he is in business of healing. Would you pray with me today right now for Mary and, and for her healing in the name of Jesus? Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came to this earth to destroy all the deeds of the enemy. And right now we believe with Mary Ann for total and complete healing in the name of Jesus. And we are saying that this infirmity is healed in the name of Jesus. And everything is being restored. The, 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 the muscles and the, the, the fingerments and all the other parts of the body is being healed and restored. In the name of Jesus Christ, we believe for healing right now for your glory, God. In the name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen. Receive it. Amen. Woo. It feels warm. Just keep moving. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. The time is coming when we are going to be less preaching and we are going to just more praying and, and ministering and doing signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. Do you want to say something? Praise God. Amen. You go to the doctor and tell them that you've been to church. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. I believe in the radical miracles. 
I believe in the sign of wonders. I believe Jesus is moving the last days as never before. Because the Bible says at the last day, I will pour out of the Holy Spirit on everybody, on every flesh. And they will be operating. They will, they, will see, they will see visions. They will do miracles. They will do those things in the church of the last days. Amen? But here is the story. The guy jumps on his feet. And they went to, to the temple, and they started to, uh, to tes testify in front of the uh, people. And there was a big crowd of believers and also Jews who didn't believe or didn't know about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, everybody is listening to their testimony and the fact that this miracle happened because of Jesus Christ. And the leaders or the... the the Bible says the, 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 the person who was responsible for the order went to John and Peter. They took them, arrested them, put them into the prison overnight, and then they saw that a lot of people were actually extremely motivated and waiting essentially for their release and they were afraid that if they do something to Peter and John there would be a commotion and they didn't like to do that so they came to Peter and John and they said listen um, we're not going to do anything to you but you need to promise that you will never <laughs> think about this you need to promise that you will never speak the name of Jesus Christ ever again. And Peter and John says, look, it's not acceptable. Today we have a similar situation. We, we are allowed to do certain things in church as long as we don't practice what we preach. As long as there is no miracles and signs. And as long as the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not operating in the church, that is fine. Just go ahead and talk about the morality of Christianity. Who cares about that stuff? We need Jesus who is living today, manifesting in our lives, every day of our lives. And so the, the, uh, Peter and John, they said, no, 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 we can't. Because we actually witnessed Resurrection of Jesus Christ, how can you stop talking about this? Now, let me ask you this question. Why would these people be so adamant, Peter and John? Why would they be so categorical? Why would they be so, so unpersuasive or not cooperating with these leaders? Well, because they saw it. They were convinced. If you read the story, they were 100% convinced that Jesus Christ, he died and he was resurrected and then he was ascended to heaven. They were, they were experiencing the Holy Spirit coming to this earth as a mighty wind. They went through this whole experience and now somebody came to them and said, you have to be quiet. You have to keep quiet. And they're like, no, we can't. 
We, I'm sorry. We cannot be quiet because we saw what we saw. We were convinced with all these different things that happened. And that's true. And this guy who was just healed is just a testimony, just a, the miracle that shows that Jesus Christ is alive today. We cannot be, we cannot keep quiet. And, and, and so they release, but here is the problem. When they threatened Peter and John, the issue was that they could kick them out of the synagogue. And if you kick them out of the synagogue, it's not like today. If, if we kick somebody out of church, not big deal. You go to another church. It's very easy. But at that time, it was the center of community. And if you kick a person out of the church or a synagogue, that means that you are an outcast. There is no business that you can get, get engaged because all the business was rotated around the synagogue. People would make deals right after the synagogue. And all the other community life, like getting married or giving your kids. Imagine if, if you are a parent and you're an outcast and you need to marry your kids. Nobody wants to marry people like this. And so here is the, i just giving you background. Here is the point. Synagogue was also a place of social security. Like, for instance, if you had challenges in your life, or if you're an elder person, if you're a widow, then synagogue would be helping you and giving you life support, essentially. And if you are cast out, or kicked out of synagogue, the problem is it's not just affecting you, it affects your entire family. So I'm just giving you perspective. Imagine this. If somebody comes to me and say, I'm going to kick you out of church, I'm fine. But if somebody comes to me and says, I am going to kick you out of church and all your family and your children and your, your grandma, who relies on our support. That is a different story. So these people, Peter and John, received that threat. That, guys, if you continue talking about Jesus, we're going to kick you out. And they, this is the, the story, uh, Acts 4, 23, 25. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them the threats. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. I want to point out several points here. When they heard this, they raised their voices. And also, they raised their voices together. You know, sometimes we, we, we pray like this. Amen together. But they raised their voices together. And also, I know that people are praying. 
we are, we know how to pray. We pray at home, we pray at cars. But the thing is, there is nothing that can compare with the prayer that we do together as the church. When we have a prayer meeting, it's not just for the leaders. It's for the body of Christ. Together. I, I, I need to move on, but I, I, I listen. I'm not sure if you listen to the impeachment <laughs> argument. I, 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 just, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just listen. I don't know why. I, I know. I need to repent, but I listen. So I, yesterday I listened to this Republicans' attorney's argument, and it turn out, turns out that they got a brilliant argument. They said uh, that the reason why the Trump's administration did not respond on the subpoenas of Democrats because those subpoenas were illegal. And the reason why the subpoenas were illegal because the Congress did not vote on this subpoena together. Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi, my dear sister, she did not uh, care about doing the due process in terms of as a body of Congress to vote for the subpoena. And I'm listening to this, and here is the illustration. It's one thing that you, when you make a decision and pray one person, but sometimes your subpoena needs a corporate prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is power in the prayer subpoena when the church and body of Christ raise their voices together. And what I'm trying to accomplish here is if we make a decision today, no matter what, I am going to be this year, 2020, prepare the way to the Lord. I am going to be part of the prayer meeting every day because we are sending the legal subpoena into the kingdom of, of darkness in this place to say, devil, get out. This is the legal determination of the body of Christ on this earth. Get out of our houses, get out of our city, get out of our streets. We are proclaiming and declaring this. Prayer together. This is what prayer is all about. And so listen, what happened here, they say, together in prayer to God, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. I, 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 just, I just want you to write this prayer. Because, you know, we, we always uh, look at the uh, Lord's prayer or disciples' prayers. Father who is in heaven, and we say this is the model of prayer. This is the model of prayer as well. And what they do is they invoke the sovereignty of God in your prayer. This is, the, this is the time when we understand that wherever it is happening in your life, somebody fired you. What you do is you say, Sovereign God, somebody is, is taking you to the court. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is not even fair. Somebody is taking me to the court. You know what you do? You say, Sovereign God, 
Somebody is threatening you. Somebody is harassing you. Somebody is challenging you. Do you know what your response is? Sovereign God. Do you know what sovereign means? I'll tell you what sovereign means. Sovereign in Greek means despot. <laughs> this is what, how we use the word despot. Despot means a person who has unilateral power and doesn't need to ask opinion of nobody. He, is, has, all, he has all the power that he needs to make a decision what he needs to make a decision. He doesn't need to ask opinion of nobody. Sovereign God! He is God who doesn't ask opinions on nobody, and he has all the power in the world. I like Mr. Sproul, who says, most Christians salute the sovereignty of God, but believe in sovereignty of man. If I only believe that my God is a sovereign God, then why would I be depressed today? If I believe that my God controls everything, then why would I be discouraged today? If I believe that God has the last word in my life, then why would I be scared today? Sovereign God! That's the kind of prayer that they had. They come together after this threats, after this persecution, after risk of losing everything, and they come to God and they say, Sovereign God, I just would like you today facing the challenges. I don't know what kind of challenge you face. I don't know what kind of threat you have in your life. I don't know what kind of issues you have, financial issue, whatever it is, time that was working against you, marital situation, law, somebody's taking you to court. I don't know. I don't know. But I would like you to consider this. There is a sovereign God that is in control. And that's the kind of a prayer. But there is a, another point here. Listen, um, he continues to talk about, uh, they are continuing to pray about the fact that God did miracles and everything. And then they uh, um, start um, saying this in Acts 4.29, Torah. That's the focus of the prayer. Listen, now, Lord, the focus of the prayer. The response is a prayer. The first response is a prayer. I wonder what my response is when I, when I see the, 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 the danger, when I see the threat, when I experience harassment. What is my response? Well, my response, honestly, many times is to fight back. And it's a losing strategy because the best response is sovereign God. But here's the thing, focus. In the prayer, in this kind of prayers, they say, now, Lord, three things. Now, Lord, consider their threat. Have you, you, when I read this, I was like, what? This is in the prayer. They are saying, God, consider their threats. Do you know what that means? Have you ever thought about this? That simply means 
that they say God measure, evaluate, assess, consider, qualify, quantify their threat. I'll tell you why it's important. Because the second point that they are focusing on and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Do you see the, the, the structure here? The great boldness, the speaking the word, was the reason why they got into the problem in the first place. If they did not speak the word of the gospel, they would not have the threat. So the natural reaction would be, God, we spoke the word, remove the threat. Isn't it what have we pray? That's how we pray, right? God, remove the threat. Destroy the enemy. Remove the enemy. They don't pray that. Why? Do you see what they are doing? They are saying, God, look at the amount of the problem that we have. And, and I want to take this speaking of the word boldly, although it's also a subject of a prayer as well, but I want to apply it to everything else in my life. Like, for example, consider the threat of losing your job. God, consider this. I have a tremendous threat to not have funds for my life, for my kids. Consider, God, consider this. Assess it. Measure it. Why? So that they continue and enable us. Do you, hear, do you see what, what the prayer is? God, measure the level of the threat and enable us to deal with it. That's the kind of a prayer. We are talking about um, preparing the way to the Lord. Let me give you this quote, and then you understand this point very clearly. Listen, Phillips Brooks, if you didn't read the book, his book, I strongly suggest to, 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 to buy one. Listen, he says, do not pray for easy lives. Completely biblical, according to this story here. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. That's the kind of a prayer. God, measure, consider the trade, and enable us. God, look at the predicament that we are in and enable us. God, the task that you gave us is so great that on the natural, there is no way we can accomplish this. 
So please enable us for us to be able to accomplish this. God, you gave us a great vision. We are not, do you hear what I'm praying right now about? I, we are not talking about God, give us people. God, give us funds. God, give us money. God, I'm not praying. I am, I, I, I done praying this kind of a prayer. The prayer is this, God, you gave us a challenge. There is a challenge. There is a plan. There is a purpose. There is something that we need to accomplish. And the task is so great that we need you to enable us to accomplish that which you want us to accomplish. Isn't it a wonderful prayer? I, I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping that throughout this year, this is going to be the model of prayer for us. God, enable me to be whom you want me to be. Enable me to carry out the purposes that you want me to carry out. Listen what he says, the second point. The first point is to enable me to speak your word with great boldness. And that speaking the word of great boldness can be anything. Of course, it actually can be speaking the word of great boldness. That's what we need to do as a church. Everywhere we will go. But also it pertains to any purposes of God on your life. Enable me. Do you know that many of you, even on the prophetic level, you received a very powerful word over your life. And, and many people, they're like, okay, so what do I do? I received this great vision. I received this great purpose. Enable me. That's the prayer. God, I have this great vision over my life. What I'm asking you today, enable me. Because it takes supernatural enablement to make me do what you want me to do. On the natural, no way. On the natural, you look at the person and you're like, this guy can do that? No way. God, enable me. Super, sovereign God, enable me. That's the kind of a prayer. Can we pray this kind of a prayer this year? Enable me. And then he says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They are doubling down. The enemy trying to destroy the supernatural, and they're like, God, 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 we, we, we have this threat. But make this even more. Make this healing and signs. You know the difference between science and wonders, right? Science are something that shows you to the divine. Wonders is something that makes people just bewildered by the power of God. And, 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 and the prayer is, God, show it. Do it even more. Make it even more. So when the enemy comes to you, listen, I'm just giving you a practical illustration. When the enemy comes to you and, and the enemy says, okay, you're having business? And that business is for the glory of God. Yes, you dedicated business to the glory of God. I am going to take you to court on some, on some uh, frivolous charges, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? They, I, am, I am serving God with my business, and they're taking me into court. Do you know what the prayer is supposed to be? God, sovereign God. 
We expect this to happen because the enemy sees the danger in your ministry. I am going, help me, God. Enable me to double down on what I'm doing. I'm not going to be deterred. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be afraid. Enable me, God, to move even more in this direction. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? I have to, I have to go, but I have another point really quickly. Listen. The, the results of this kind of a prayer is in Act 421, and that's the kind of a prayer that I want to have today and this year in this church. Acts 421, and they prayed, and they prayed, and the place where they were meeting was shaken. I don't know, I don't know what it is that that needs to be shaken in your life. I don't know what it is, what kind of a course, what kind of a problem, what kind of an issue needs to be shaken. What shaken means something foundational changes. The, 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 the status quo is changing. I am changing. You know, the prayer is not to impress God. The prayer is to change me. That's what it is. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I remember a story of a missionary named Campbell, if you know his name. He was telling about his ministry that a group of people uh, in the island decided to pray, just to pray in the, in the bar. And when they were praying, um, a pastor of this group had in his spirit to ask a young boy to pray over the ministers. So the pastor came to this young boy and he says, would you please pray for us? And the young boy started to pray. And he says this kind of a word prayer. He says, God, you said that you promised that if, if we are thirsty for your power and for your presence, you will satisfy that. You will give us what we are asking. Now we are thirsty. I don't know about these people. I don't know about this pastor. I don't know about this, but I am thirsty for your presence, O oh Lord, he said. And he says, God, grant this today. Satisfy my thirst. And when he, was started, when he was started praying like this, the pastor noticed that the barn started to shake physically. And so they come together, deacons and everybody, and they say, wait a second, is it an earthquake? But, and they thought it was an earthquake. But as they were living, because they were praying overnight, they were living, they saw crowds of people 
coming to the barn, to the church. A policeman came to, to a pastor and he says, would you come to the police department? And he says, why? And he says, I don't know why, but at the police department we have 600 people crying and praying to God, seeking God. Would you please come there and minister? Something has shaken in the atmosphere. The enemy was defeated. How do you defeat the enemy? There is only one way. I don't believe in re revival without a prayer. I don't believe in that. It's impossible. I don't believe in a fresh move of God without preparing the way for the Lord through the prayer. Remember this uh, lady uh, who initiated, I'm, I'm done, I'm just giving you the story, um, who initiated the National Day of Prayer? Evelyn Christensen, remember her? A lady of prayer. She, 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 she uh, and then she initiated a global day of prayer, uh, her board, a prayer board, and she, she told the story, and I'm done, I'm just giving you this instruction before we pray, that she was ministering in one church in Texas, a big church, and there was a ministry only for prayer warriors. 2,000 people were in the prayer seminar, and... Um, the, the, the power of God was so tangible that people who were praying in groups, they divided in the groups and they started to pray for each other. The, the, the power of God and the presence of God was so tangible that people were just crying, uh, 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 confessing their sins. They were, you know, their lives been changed. It was just like as absolutely astonishing experience. And as the pastor was walking the lady to her car after the meeting, the pastor says to her, how, what do you credit this uh, presence and the power of God in the meeting? How, how would you explain that? And she looked at, at him like, prayer, of course, she said. She says, did you know that before this meeting, your people in the church, the prayer group, sign up a contract with me to pray every day for six months before I come. Otherwise, I wouldn't even come. Did you know that we have, my board is constantly praying for me every day. I pray every day myself, personally, four days, four hours a day. My uh, uh, chain of prayer over the phone, the, the globally, the network of prayers are praying for me. It's prayer. Before a seminar, we came here day before and we just had a prayer for the prayer seminar and that's the power of God and so the, the, the pastor was digesting this information and, this, and th then he says what, what, what do you think would happen if I had that kind of a prayer life and she looked at him and she says, Pastor, sir, if you had that kind of a prayer life, your church would never be able to feed all these people that would flock as rivers to your, to your church. It would be overwhelming. That's the kind of an answer. Brother and sister, I would like to 
to invite you to be a part of this prayer marathon 2020. Prepare the way of the Lord. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Father,